Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Sam here. I'm just coming at you with a conversation that Mike and I recorded a few weeks ago, and we were going to release it last week, but then Kanye West released his album, and we kind of needed to put our takes about Jesus as King out there immediately. So this is coming at you a little bit late, but I hope you enjoy. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed on this program are those of myself and Pastor Mike and may not necessarily represent the views of our church. That being said, enjoy! to talk about something that we've been meaning to talk about for a while and that's uh, discernment blogging these little often reformed <laughs> blogs that have popped up on the internet basically well probably since blogging has even been a thing um, they basically yes. just exist to correct and call out people for false teaching or what they believe is false teaching um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just wanted some of your thoughts on that as a pastor who, you know, as your platform may grow, you may, you may catch the, uh, the ears of some of these discernment blogging types. And I'm sure like you're, you're also very carefully considering when you're writing a sermon that you are writing things that would hold up to scrutiny. So, you know, do you actually see value in some of the work that they're doing? Well, at one level, I would say that if anyone really wanted to put that much effort into discernment blogging me, that's sort of a mark of a of a win, maybe. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, here's the thing. Um, oh, I guess you can't see if you're listening to this. Obviously, that I'm rubbing my head in my eyes in. Yeah, Mike's not just con- like deep in thought. Not in in that like, and kind of just like a. Oh, okay, let's let's think about this because. I want to say that at one level, there is a value, to the idea right of just, there there's value to the idea of scrutiny of every idea like we should want to argue with yeah. ideas and really try to high hammer that down the yeah. issue is in this case for me the mode of operation right the mode is a distant voice random guy on the internet right who thinks that clearly he's right in all of his theology and when he hears a sermon being preached in a context he's not part of um that he has the right in some way as a servant of Jesus to like go on this intellectual crusade. Yeah. And, 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 and now I don't think that it is n- wrong inherently to do that because if you, if you hear wind of teaching, right, that is like evidently anti-biblical, then we do have, you know, good evidence in the church history that, you know, public, decrying of that false doctrine is 
how we kind of do it. Mm. Um, even in Scripture, we see, you know, and this was more of a moral, ethical thing where Paul, even in the letter of Galatians, writes that he's like calling out Peter for, you know, kind of being this weird racist, only going to sort of act like a Jewish guy kind of thing. And um, so, like, there's precedent for public, you know, accusation in this way. Right. The issue happens when these are discernment blogs, as you called them, specifically dealing with secondary and tertiary and kind of theological camp issues, right? And then going right. after people who don't fall into their camp. Because oftentimes yeah. what it is, is yes, some kind of reformed, maybe deeply kind of, um, deeply Baptist person looking at other yes. uh, kind of free evangelical, some call them, or like more of the charismatic movement or whatever, and saying, well, here's all these secondary things that are not essential or salvific, that I'm going to just rip them apart on and see they clearly don't love the Bible because they disagree with my interpretation of it, right? Yes. And, and that is where it becomes an issue because, you know, number one, we we should never sit in our kind of intellectual glass tower yeah. um, and not be able to, like, truly engage with people one-on-one, right? Like, I do think there's precedent in Scripture, right, that um, even Paul, right, in his letters would even call guys out by name like in the community that they all know right this was like not yeah. just I'm a distant thing it was it was a, a very personal thing and on blogs and, and and yeah it's getting a little better maybe with the YouTube people start showing their faces a little bit more but for a time it was just these sort of faceless you know avatar people making these claims um, and so yeah. I do think there's a level of you know, of personal contact that need, that's necessary. And when, you know, something is evidently deviating from a not, not even, uh, I want to be careful here, um, from essential faith, right? Core doctrines, uh, maybe even like creedal faith, um, which even that's a little bit hard because creedal faith isn't everything we are to believe. It's, it's summations of certain issues throughout history that the church has sort of canonized. Um, that when that happens, we can then stand and say, okay, you know what? This person has said, for example, right, that Jesus was not God, um, just a divine kind of being, um, like kind of the Aryan current JW theology of a spiritual, but not God being, well, no wrong. Um, if, you know, or that, um, he was sort of one of many gods or sort of lesser gods and Lucifer's his brother like the Mormons have. And it's like, no, that's that like, that's not biblical. Or even some of the, the other issues around Trinity, like, you know, the idea of modalism that, you know, God is one God with three revelations in distinction. So at one point he was Yahweh the Father, then he was Christ the Son, then he was the Holy Spirit and never three at the same time, which again, we would say, you know, even just at the baptism and the moment of Great Commission, that's just not true. Um, so, like, it, when it's essential things on the nature of Christ, the nature of, of God, creation, um, I would say creation, fall, um, the, the, the avenue of redemption, the nature of sin, like some of these big things that are kind of foundational for us, there is a role to say, no, that's not a Christian thing. That's outside of the family trajectory, right? Yeah. The issue is most of these guys will take secondary issues like women preaching, especially if they're reformed, or spiritual gifts, or maybe uh, brother in error, right? Like uh, 
a sort of borderline pr- prosperity person who maybe doesn't think they're being that way, but like yeah, has yeah. been raised in a culture. Right. And, right. and this, so, so they're still brothers in the faith yes. or sisters in the faith, but maybe just in error and saying you're outside the lines of family. And that's yeah. the issue that I have often yeah. with it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the only value I really see on that level is it, it forces me to think deeply about what I believe. So in that sense, there's redemptive quality to it. So I listened to a guy on, on YouTube who is a ardent kind of like reformed Lutheran guy. Um, he's actually pretty popular in the discernment blog kind of world. Um, and he only attacks like charismatic um, popular pastors. So like Stephen Furtick or Judas Smith yeah. or... Easy their wives, targets, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Craig Rochelle or, and then, and then, but like he, he does, he attacks them as much as he attacks like, um, Patricia King and like these weird, like this water spirits being casted out people. Like it's the weirdest okay, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But he kind of lumps it all together. And then it's like, yeah, all these crazy Christians who don't. And, and so some of it's, I listen to it because, um, it's almost like a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to see yeah. how bad some of his stuff is, but there's a term for it, that, Mike. <laughs> they call it hate listening. Hate listening. Well, I don't say hate everything. He's just like some of the stuff is so dumb. But um, but some of the other stuff actually is like you can see where there is a corrective edge to it. That yes. I would not go so far to say like he'll say stuff about how you've been deceived by these people, and it's like like attributing a lot of malicious false teaching to them where for me i'm like ah maybe they just didn't get that kind of you know understanding of scripture and so it's actually helped me preach better because i'll approach certain texts through a different lens than i would have originally and so it actually helps me be more i would say complete in my understanding but there comes a point too where like emma and i were like we need to turn this off this guy's just garbage and like (laughs) it's just it's not working out uh so there's value to them, but I don't know yeah. if, if people are caught up in just reading all these like watch lists and watchdogs and it's like, you got better things to do. Yeah, like, go no. love people and for sure. I, I think like that's what bothers me about it is because a lot of them are kind of like pseudo anonymous or like, it's just like, Oh, this is just some blog that's on the internet. But because there's a blog on the internet, that's about this thing that's calling out this particular pastor or this particular church or this particular group. It's like, Oh, but people now, now there's this air of legitimacy about, their complaints just because it's mm-hmm. there like just just because someone took the time to go and write this stuff and and, yeah 100 percent. and then especially when they're like only about one person like there's certain blogs are like all about hillsong or all about um this church or that church and it's like you clearly haven't like a axe to grind yeah and nothing they do would ever be good, there's nothing right? loving about that I don't think. No, like I think it's a very self-righteous kind of like, and again, you can convince yourself this is the right thing to do. Yeah, the same I'm, way I'm the like Pharisees. a defender of the gospel. Right? right well, yeah. and like even Paul says, like he was so zealous for God to the point of murdering Christians. So like you can convince yourself, right? Um, not that they're on the same plane as that, but like you can get yourself all riled up and, and get your soul a little rowdy for that. Yeah. But, um, but like, I don't know, for me at the end of the day, like, I know, I already know, like, that there are even pastors in our city who probably, like, write a sermon blog about me if they heard my sermons because I disagree with Could them be. on yeah. certain sec. Hopefully they would, like, come to you and 
Yeah, well, you'd hope. But yeah. but the idea of just like there's people who disagree with the way I understand certain things, right? That I believe are non-salvific. They're they're up for interpretation, right? And in that things that they may hold as such like deeply held orthodox things, which I'm like, hmm, I don't know if that's within the essential category. And and so like I've it's like being a pastor, like, and this is the thing people don't get is like, anytime you put yourself obviously in the public space, part of the, the, the trade-off of that is scrutiny. Right. And so we should expect yeah. that at some level, but when it comes to church and like, if you're in the faith or not, you know, that, that, that becomes a different conversation around. I do, certain, I do think, yeah, we gotta be a lot better and more gracious on that. Well, y- yeah. And, and, and it's funny because in, as I'm reading some of the books I've been reading lately, you, you begin to see, because one of the things that's been cool is um, from different sources, seeing kind of the history of the faith, um, kind of post in, post-Reformation to post-Enlightenment to kind of American, North American faith, and how like we have this deep obsession with defining who's in and who's out. Yeah. Right? Which, again, evidently Jesus says there's sheep, there's goats, right? There's those who have eternal life and not. This week I'm preaching on, you know, building your life on Christ and how there's a wise builder and a foolish builder. And like Jesus says, one has life and one has destruction. Like that is evidently true. But we've done everything we do to know if someone prayed the right prayer, did the right thing, or said the right moment, or has the right ritual, or is a part of the right camp to truly define if they're truly a Jesus follower, especially like when I listen to some of these like discernment blogs, that's kind of what they go to. Like, are they performing the right doctrinal rituals to prove that they are truly aligned with Christ? And, um, and, and that's a very kind of modern intellectual ascent kind of way of doing this where, you know, I'm not saying like, I think doctrinal assimilation is very, needed and, 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 and we need to sort of have our theological camps worked out. But knowing that even in the, in the disciples, you had a tax collector, a zealot, right? A bunch of fishermen, right? Who all would have assumed poor things of everyone else who did not get it quite right, even up to the age um of Peter still being like 20 years later, kind of still dealing with the whole Jewish Gentile thing we talked about earlier, right? Like I I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be better as a human being and a Christian here in understanding that there can be genuine brothers and sisters of the faith who are wrong about certain things. Yeah. And I don't need to, I don't need to cast them out, but in love, try to correct them. Now to say all that, not to legitimize, again, what these bloggers and things do, when you do get a platform large enough to have massive influence in Christian culture, yeah, um, you know, you could argue that there is, a, again, James kind of says that there's a higher level of authority or of accountability on teachers. And so, 100%, and, and yeah. that needs to also include, I would say, their... Um, their, 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 their platform and the higher the platform, right? The greater influence you have, the better, you better, you, but you need to be making sure you say true things. Now, again, um, 
some of that is a, is theological camps, right? Some some yeah. of these big guys come more of the Baptist, more of the Methodist, more of the Pentecostal, and and a lot of the discernment bloggers, as you've said, are Reformed Baptist guys who like just don't believe anyone else can be right. Um, but you know, when you say things on a platform like that, which even if they're you know air quotes true but not necessarily from the text or in the story or you know come from what you're trying to preach on the implications the teaching the the way that you're f- modeling you know scriptural study and all that like actually doesn't matter like like people don't get that that preaching is is not just transformation of 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 um, information. You know, it's modeling. Here's how we open the scriptures. Here's how we read things. You know, here's how we approach. What what are the themes we pick up? That if a preacher speaks on certain things over and over and over again, right? It's going to ingrain the people in a certain way. And so, if someone is you know constantly making the case that you're the hero of the story, for example, you'll end up reading the Bible as if every hero is you and not Jesus, and that is an issue. That is right? a problem, yeah. But that, but that's not a salvific issue in the sense of like, you know, that pastor is evil and a false teacher sent to manipulate the church. Yeah. No, like you maybe granted, there. Paul says they're false teachers, fine. But it could just be a brother in error that that hey hey how how have you got to this place? Are you truly doing this? And and yes, to be fair, Paul does lay out certain qualifications of false teachers and um and I, again I don't want to start a bigger conversation on this, but you know, around the ideas of like manipulation and greed and money and sexual things. And he does lay out some of that stuff. And it's, and so you, you can judge in a sense, not condemn, but, but you can try to understand the fruit of someone's life and then weigh them against the, the, the messages of Jesus and Paul. Cause even Jesus talks about false teachers and false prophets in the end times. Right. right. And so like, I understand the impetus that way. And, then you're getting into a larger conversation on American Christianity in general, right? Comfortable consumer Western Christianity. And, you know, then we get into the whole idea of like, you know, the whole preachers and sneakers conversation again. And I don't want to start <laughs> that one. But, okay, you don't. know, just so, so, there, so it's not just like these guys are haters. There is the, you can see their rationale and you can see how they're trying to process and how they can think they're doing what is right. But I don't think it's actually bringing help. Like all you're doing, because I don't know, I find you read those comments. It's it's either two people that are watching this video, right? Those who are at the echo chamber of, I already don't like Stephen Furtick. I already don't like this guy. I already don't like, you know, the, the Pentecostals or whatever. Right. And so there's going to comment. Yeah. Like you got him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Or, the, or those coming to defend him because they realize this is a hit piece or something. Right. right? And it's like, you're not actually helping anyone. It's not. It's not getting that middle ground to make a decision. It, it's. It's just kind of like playing to the crowd, and or playing to your base in political terms of the current season. Um, and so that's where I'm like, I don't like. Is this helpful? Like, like no. The and so for me, like this might be a question that you had in mind, Sam, but I don't know if it was. But like, if. Like, would I, as a preacher, right, have a discernment blog sermon, right, and say, hey, there's this teacher, or hey, there's this book, or hey, there's this thing, you know, be warned, Um, because I know some pastors do that. I do think that as a pastor in a local congregation, there actually is 
legitimacy for something like that if it's widespread. Right. Like, so if I knew yeah. that a bunch of the people in our church were listening to this person and I was like, there's some things to be wary of. I don't think it would be unloving or bad to say, okay, guys, I know you're all reading this book or I know a lot of people have talked to me about this author. You know, I don't know him personally, so I'm not going to make a comment, but here's some <laughs> things with his theology, right? And I do think that that is, that is appropriate. So like there, there, there was a big one a couple of years ago. Uh, where Mark Driscoll just called out Joel Osteen, right? And it was a big kind of like deal and because people were like, how dare a pastor call out another pastor by name and blah, blah, blah. Um, but his point was like the overt prosperity gospel, you know. Yeah. There is kind of a face to that. And so it's like, if we're going to talk about prosperity gospel, it's like, I'm going to talk about this guy because you guys read his books and this is the problem with it all, right? And so like... Was Mark Driscoll's heart right? Uh, I'm not going to judge that. Like we could maybe make the assumption no because of everything else that happened. But I, I would still want to say that there might be a place for some of that, you know, filtering. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, like I hope, and Sam, you and I have talked about this like off mic before, but like the church should not simply be a place of heart engagement, but mind engagement. Yeah. And, and as a learning community, we are learning how to discern these things ourselves. That, that, that people should be able to read books and say, okay, this is good. This is not, this is helpful. This is not. And, and trust that as a church, we are producing disciples who are wise yes. following Jesus, right. And, and versed in his way. And, and so I think there's also that thing is if I feel like, that's why I don't do that often because I'm like, mm-hmm. number one, like I don't think I've had to so far, but um, what I do it if I needed to, I would, but I, but I want to create people who think yeah, about these things, so, right? Yeah, that's, that's where there's something interesting you said about the two different types of people that are going to watch maybe a discernment blogger type video on YouTube or read a discernment blog post. Um, the people that are watching or consuming it or reading it because they already agree with the author's position or the people that are there to defend him. But you kind mm-hmm. of talked about yourself being that third kind of person that's actually there just to hear what people think because it actually maybe does help you think about the issues yourself regardless of what your position is. And I think I actually do see the value in all of this if you are that third person that just wants to know what other perspectives are out there other than your own. But there's just so few people that are reading it that way. Like I've, I've personally gone on those blogs before, probably with the intention of like, I'm probably going to hate everything these people are writing about because it's not done with love or, you know, but I've actually ended up reflecting on some of the things they said and just holding up a mirror to my own theology and my, well, my own opinions and thinking, hey, mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, I had that was something I hadn't considered before. Um, yeah, and I think that I think that is a valuable kind of way of doing it, right? Is that we can have that, and um, and again, it's not to make me sound like I'm always so virtuous, but um, but like, hopefully, that think, is what other people find. Well, as well. I, I do, I do, I hope that when people go into those things, like, it really is a a space of I, I'm willing to hear the criticism, especially because like at the end of the day, a lot of those guys um, 
although I'm different from, I come from the same roots, right? Some of the Pentecostal roots and whatnot, that I want to hear the criticism of the movement. I want to hear that because I want to know how do we actually engage with this stuff, right? Like, where have we made... Because you kind of need to have an answer for it on some level. Well, exactly. And, And then in some stuff, I'm just like... Like, some of the stuff, like, literally the one video I watched was, I'm not even kidding, this woman, prophet, apparently, um, <laughs> believed in the water spirits out of some verse in, like, Isaiah. And so, the, she took a team in scuba gear and went and went scuba diving in the Bermuda Triangle to cast out the demons of the water. Oh. And, like, there's a video of them, like, literally underneath the water, like like, using their hands as, like, swords and, like, fighting, like... It's like okay, everybody should be ripping on these people. It costed a lot of money for that little expedition. Yeah, and it was like, man, like at that point, every pastor should be just like on a discernment block, being like, "This is not us. This is not what yes. we believe. <laughs> We're not about this." Uh, but um, and so, like sometimes it is just that. But like I just yeah, and, and knowing that like I sometimes when when, when especially the, the the blogging specifically, like I, that's a lot more about YouTube, but. I sometimes go and I'm almost like, I'm almost begrudgingly going like, oh, I just don't want to read this again. But it's always a good thing to engage with those descending voices and realize that, hey, you know what? I'm not going to agree with maybe the methodology. I'm not going to agree with some of the foundational principles, especially of a five-point Calvinist. But letting them, you know, shape and sharpen how I engage maybe a certain passage of scripture or with overall Bible reading, you know, like is, is a very positive thing that we can engage in knowing that I might disagree with some of the fundamental assumptions. And now and then it gets into a deeper level of like understanding the streams of theology and, and where they can go. But it's still like knowing that, you know, I can take something valuable out of, you know, a, a purely Calvinist reading of a certain text. I can take something valuable out of this Lutheran's reading of this text. I can take something valuable out of the Anglican's reading of this text and, and realizing that, you know, I'm actually stronger for it because I can grow in discernment. I can grow in theology. Like right now, I would say that that's actually what is probably the breadth of how I'm growing is that it, it, is that I'm, I'm reading actually a lot of different traditions. Yes. Right? So... So like this this Lutheran guy on YouTube, I'm engaging with him, right? N.T. Wright, this high Anglican kind of academic who is definitely not Americanized in any way, right? And kind of reading him, Dallas Willard, who's kind of like a Baptist philosopher, yeah. right? Who I obviously really connect with. Um, and then these Calvinist blogs that I do engage in and, and, and the sermons that I listen to tend to be more from a reformed background and a sort of a progressive methodology, uh, guys like a Mark Clark or a you know Matt Chandler, even Tim Keller, the more like covenantal Presbyterian, and and bring that all together, right? And so that's kind of why you know even when we talked about like trying to define ourselves a couple weeks ago, right? It's hard to do that because like I'm trying to allow those influences to be wide, yeah. But um, recognizing that if you aren't keyed into kind of where you know yourself to be on secondary culture issues, you're probably going to get tossed to and fro. Mm-hmm. But if you, can, if you can be sort of solid and, okay, here's what I believe about these things. I can engage with these authors and use my discernment and the Spirit of God and, and otherwise counsel. Like, 
we like we have to and that and and that's why at the end of the day right like the best thing for the christian is to study the way of jesus because that's yes. meant to be our ultimate filter and yes everyone has different opinions on the nature of the gospels and blah 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 all around the significant story right of of the of the birth and life the kingdom and the death and the resurrection of jesus coming together and in filtering how we read that if we're engaging with people in a way that is thoughtful and not just consuming like like this sermon. So uh, if you were at church, Sunday, you hear me talk about this, where we often like the issue is the issue often with with how we build our life not on Jesus is that we'll go to experts in certain areas like biblical theology and assume that because they're experts in this one field that their overall worldview is worth adopting, right? right? And in or, or their cross kind of dis, uh, disciplinary kind of skill is there, which is not always true. So like, I think an easy low hanging fruit example would be a guy like Richard Dawkins, right? Yes. Um, who great biologist clearly does his work, studied many years, horrible philosopher. Yeah. Appalling. Right. Not, not a high level philosopher, right? He's smart, but he's not really metaphysical. That's not even a word. Metaphysically intelligent, right? Meaning like the things of the world, the, the beyond the physics, right? And yes. so, and so using that, or even like, I'm going to reference, I'm not going to make this explicit on, on Sunday. So if you're hearing this post Sunday, then maybe you'll in retrospect catch this, but like Jordan Peterson, right? A Jungian psychologist teaching me how to read the Bible, right? Like just because he's smart in this area, doesn't mean what he believes with the Bible is orthodox in any way. And there's a lot of, especially young Christian men kind of just going in the realm of that. Um, because he said some good things, so he must be able to give wisdom in all those other areas. Not necessarily true. Yeah. Um, and and so we and, we and we do that with with theologians and philosophers, where we say I like this thing about him, in our, or the or the thinking of him, but I, I can't, you know, I, that that doesn't mean I don't critically engage with the presuppositions and and, and the hermeneutical framework and the understanding he has. So, like you guys know. Obviously, we've talked about it, but I like Dallas Willard. I like his understanding of, of the eternal life of gospel. Uh, but I am way more charismatic, and and I have those other things to me. So I realize that as I'm reading that, him and I might use the different language for different things, but I can engage in, in that space. Or especially a guy like N.T. Wright, like I mentioned today, or even some of the older guys, G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis, who are not modern, you know, maybe methodologically progressive Pentecostals, Right, but are Anglican and Catholic, right? Like, yeah. like using the under, underlying um, kind of critical approach, saying, "Okay, these guys aren't scripture writers, so, but there's value here in, in weighing that out." And, and at the end of the day, I'd hope that over time we can help build that into the church, right? That, and this is what I struggle with, and this may be a little like pastoral confession time, but like the reason why I don't often in my sermons play down to the whole like here's five things to go do tomorrow is partly because of this. It's not because I don't think it's viable. That's why we have our connect groups. And, and usually our connect group questions are more about like, so what do you need to do about this tomorrow? Right. Is that I'm trying to, I want people to engage with the mind, the, 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 the thinking aspect of, of faith that's meant to transform behavior, right? That God wants to go deeper into our soul. So I don't want to just say to you, Hey, 
here are the five things you got to go do today. Go do these and Jesus is going to like you or, or think this way because I said so, right? But try to open our minds to be able to consider in way. And so that's why I tend to, 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 to preach more in the like sort of bigger picture, bigger idea thing. Because I'm trying to, I want people to learn to think, right? And, and even engage with me and, 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 and like, and wrestle with, with, hey, do I agree with the preacher, right? Like, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, but like having that, that space to just open our minds, because I do believe if we can begin to engage critically, right, eventually the goal is, is that you, you learn how to discern for yourself. So like with children, I don't want live simply to do what I say, I want her to understand why. I want her to become the kind of person that desires to do the very things that I, I desire for her, right? And I think the same is true of a church, obviously not a parent-child relationship, but like I don't want to just go to church and say, hey guys, Jesus is awesome, go do these things, Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I want there to be this engagement on a different level because even Jesus, I don't like Jesus didn't teach. If you track through like the gospels, the parables and the things he spoke, he was teaching uh, for the reformation of hearts and minds, right? Like not, not just behavioral conformity, like we talk about that. Like he wants to go deeper and, and, and that comes through the heart kind of finding the full affection in Christ, mm-hmm. the mind being transformed and renewed, you know, as, as Paul says in Romans 12. And, and so even that is kind of like how I process even sermon writing, uh, because I think it would be in a sense, um, I, like, I don't know. Like I, I, it would be, you know, maybe easier for people if I thought for them yeah, and just said, here, here's this, here's how this is going to affect everything. Right. But number one, I don't know your situation. And so I, if I can give you things and ideas and stories and principles or like, I obviously, you know, our church knows, try to convince you to stop thinking about yourself so much that maybe there can be that, that, that deeper engagement. And, and I don't know, like I'm just processing the, this out loud on, a podcast that's public, but, um, that's kind of even where, why I do what, what, what I do in that, in that sense. And I kind of push back against the whole, like, you know, kind of borderline moral teaching because moralism really isn't the gospel, right? The effects of the kingdom life invading our heart, the rescuing of Jesus, the grace, right? Changes how we engage with God and ideas and people, that then produces action that is right. And so I think maybe that's part of all that. The reason why I now remember why, why we came here was to say that hopefully, you know, over time I can do a good enough job to create discerning people that they can engage with these different voices without needing a pastor's help. Right? Like, yeah. Yep. Um, not that I would never not want to have that conversation because I'll talk about theology and philosophy all day long. <laughs>